the Spirit, and he is looking to serve us in the Word today. So why don't we pray for him together? Father in heaven, we, we welcome Elmer to, to care for us, to serve us, and we ask that you would give him the words, the heart, the posturing, uh, the spirit, the boldness. God, we need these things. Would you encounter your people through your word and through your servant? Would you give him boldness and grace and lots of joy as he ministers this morning? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. So, I realize that there are a number of you here and watching us who on the live stream who are fairly new to Calvary. And so, uh, Matt has introduced me. Thank you. I'm uh, just just to let you know a little bit about. Uh, a little bit more about myself. Uh, I am married to Carlana. Uh, she is the long-haul COVID patient that you've been hearing about and perhaps even read about. Uh, so uh, she is healed, and we are thankful that after five months, five, six months of illness, she is back to work, and we're so grateful for the healing that God has worked there. I have two kids, uh, Josh and Jayla, who are almost 17 and 15. And uh, myself, I am a chaplain at the University of Manitoba. I'm your missionary to the university. Uh, I also have uh, a vision to bring uh, Christian courses into the university to make them accessible to uh, students studying in the secular universities and uh, we've been doing this for a couple years in Winnipeg and hoping to go, uh, just moving into other provinces now. And so uh, God is doing good things. I'm privileged to be a part of his work. And uh, if you'd like to learn more about that, please get in touch. But I'd appreciate your prayers as we continue. Uh, so I, uh, let, let's, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word that you've entrusted to us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives in us. We pray that you would come and bring your word to life in us. And we pray that your word would bear fruit. Will you build your church to be a church that speaks your word by the power of your Holy Spirit? For the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, my daughter, Jayla, recently took an interest in archery. And so we decided to get her a birthday present. Uh, if you're looking for archery equipment, don't order the cheap plastic one off Amazon. It breaks after a day. Uh, so we went to Cabela's and, and got one of these. Works great, uh, except when it is aimed a little bit too high and hits the neighbor's window. Uh, we won't tell you who did that or how it happened. But uh, one thing about archery is that when you're shooting an arrow, you can only aim at one target at a time. 
You ever notice that? <laughs> you can aim at one target at a towards, and that's why we have one target set up in our yard, uh, hopefully not towards the neighbor's house anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, but you're shooting for that target, and if a bunny pops out of the tall grass over here, you cannot hit that bunny and still hit the target. You get what I'm saying? That arrow goes in one direction and one direction only. And, and so I wanted, I wanted to talk uh, about staying on track. Uh, I'd like you to turn to Second Timothy, the book of Second Timothy. And Paul is telling Timothy to stay on track with your mission. You have one target. Keep going. Yes, he addresses some other issues that were happening in the church. But he is telling Timothy to stay on track. You know, when you are driving to Toronto, <laughs> please don't try to hit Saskatoon on the way. All right, I, I, Toronto is that direction behind me. Saskatoon is over there. You cannot go through Saskatoon on your way to Toronto because it is not on the way. All right? You have one target, one aim, one destination at a time. And so this is Paul's final charge to Timothy. Timothy uh, was a disciple of Paul. He took him along. On his, he had mentored him and discipled him. And took him along on his missionary journeys and trained up Timothy to be like himself, to do the work that he does. And, and now Paul had a couple of issues uh, in, in churches that he was overseeing. Uh, you notice in your Bible you have First and Second Timothy and you have the book of Titus. Uh, sometimes they are, these are called pastoral epistles, but uh, the, the fact is they are not actually about how to pastor a church. All right. Titus and Timothy were not pastors. They were apostolic delegates sent by Paul into troubled churches to do apostolic work, straightening out these churches that were going astray. And so uh, he writes to Timothy, uh, first Timothy, and then now Second Timothy, some a couple years later, and Paul is in prison for the second time in Rome. Well, he's been in prison lots of times, but for the second time in Rome, uh, we believe that you know, we when we read to the the end of the book of Acts, Acts twenty eight, Paul is left in prison and he has some freedom to to have friends over and to tend to his needs and so forth. Uh, most scholars believe that he was set free after that. He did some more traveling and preaching, and then he was arrested under the emperor Nero. And when it's Nero, you know you're in trouble. And so Paul is on death row. He is about to be executed, uh, perhaps within months, perhaps within a few weeks uh, of this writing. So he's near the end of his life, and he writes this letter to Timothy. Timothy has been sent to Ephesus, and uh, among the many problems there at Ephesus, perhaps the most serious, the most serious problem was that there were false teachers there who were 
preaching a different gospel, perverting the gospel. And, and so Timothy is to go and to guard the gospel, to protect the gospel. That they were, there, here's a church listening to a false gospel that has been so twisted and distorted that it is no longer the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a church that is starting to follow them and in danger of becoming something other than the church. This is serious. And so Paul sends his trusted man, Timothy, uh, to deal with this. Guard the gospel. The church is in danger of getting off track. And so here, Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. He says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Fan into flame the gift of God. Timothy, remember when I laid my hands on you to commission you and the Holy Spirit came upon you and the anointing of God came upon you in such a powerful way to preach the gospel, remember that moment? I want you to fan that into flame. The word here, anatsopurein. Rob's not the only one who knows Greek around here. <laughs> anatsopurein. Can you say that? Anatsopurein. Uh Fire it up. To fire it up. I want you to fire up this gift by the Holy Spirit. In fact, I tend to think that he's speaking about the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit is the gift that was given to him. The power that resides. And so, so Timothy is entrusted to, to preach the gospel. He's entrusted with the, the, the word of God. And later on in chapter 4, Paul tells him, preach the word. Preach the word. Right, and, and, and he is given the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit living in him. Do this by the power of the Spirit. You know, sometimes we talk about, you know, uh, these are word people over here, different groups in the church. These are word people. They love getting into the Bible, get into the word. And these are spirit people over here. And they love worshiping and, and prophesying and praying and, and flowing in the Spirit. And Paul is telling Timothy... Preach the word by the power of the Holy Spirit. You need both. You need both. And, you know, if, if, you're, not in, if you're not in the word, you are not being led by the Spirit. Right? Because the Holy Spirit wants to get you into the word and wants, you to, wants to move you into doing the word. Right? That's what the Spirit is all about. And if you, if you have the word and you don't have the Spirit, you're not getting the word. You're not getting the word because uh, this is an inspired, this, this word is inspired by the spirit of God and we understand it by the spirit of God and we live it by the spirit of God. We need to be a word and spirit both. And when you have both, you have the gospel. You have the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, so uh, let's, let's look at uh, the next chapter, chapter 2. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and, and the first 
verse here, Paul says, You then, my son, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I used to read the NIV, be strong in the grace. Uh, and I, I loved this passage. Uh, it's, it's given me so much encouragement during difficult times. And, and here, Timothy, Paul is facing hardship. Timothy is facing hardship. And Paul tells him, be strong in the grace that is in you. What is, what is grace? You know, we often talk about, we often hear that grace is God's favor to us. Uh, and we think of the forgiveness of our sins. And grace includes all these things. But here I want you to think about grace as empowerment. Grace is God's power to do God's will. Why is it that when when Paul had this thorn in the flesh, you know, and, and he was being tested and tried and, and he was having a hard time, uh, asked God to remove it. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Right? My strength is made perfect in your weakness. What is grace? It's God's empowerment to do God's will. God's power to do God's will. Right? And so here, as in much of the Bible, grace is about empowerment. Be strong in the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And, and the grace of God comes to us by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of God's grace in you. And he lives inside of you. You know, when I was uh, 18 years old, I, I had this 1972 yellow Celica. And it was my first car you know, as a as a youth in, in high school, uh, drive around with friends, and we could sing, you know, we all live in a yellow silly car. It's, it's great. Uh, Love that car. Well, I took it out to university. I was coming home for Thanksgiving. I checked the gas. It is, em- it is close to empty. I checked the oil. That, too, is close to empty. I took it to the gas station, and I filled up the gas, and I forgot all about the oil. And so I was driving when I picked to Brandon, uh, coming around the bend at Portage. I hear clunk, clunk, click, click, clack. And, you know, I, I don't do the, the sound effects that Rob does. But, well, I, I start hearing this kind of stuff, right? And, and so I pulled over to the side of, and, and before you know, actually, I didn't even pull over. Uh, my car stopped running, and I had to pull over. <laughs> that was how dense I was. And so uh, I had this thing uh, pulled over and, and called the, the garage nearby. They told me, uh, and, and he, he, he sees your engine. Like, this thing is done. Uh, to my shame, uh, I waited an hour or two. I tried starting it up again, and my car started. I said, great, it's healed. <laughs> I started driving a little ways. Same thing happened. I walked back to the station and the mechanic looked at me and said, what did you go and do? (laughs) This thing's over. It's done. It's dead. It's finished. He had to drive it into me because I didn't want to believe it. My beloved car. So my car died because it didn't have oil in it. You know what? I was at a gas station. 
I was at the gas station. I had all this oil available to me that I could have, I could have bought. It was there. It was available to me, but it, all that oil in the store did no good because it didn't make it into the crack case. Right? Killed my car. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and he's here to stay. But you need to get filled up every day. You need to come and drink every day. Get filled up day after day. It is the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have this infinite supply of power in you. Get filled up every day so that you can keep doing the work that God has called you to do. Uh, verse 2 uh, verse 2 uh, Paul says to Timothy and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses this is the deposit of the gospel okay if you if you read elsewhere in the book what you've heard from me and trust and uh, trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also what you've received from me this deposit of the gospel and trust to faithful men. Uh, Timothy was to appoint elders. He was appoint, to appoint uh, shepherds for the flock. Uh, and trust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. Paul discipled many people. Among them were Timothy, among them were Titus, and now he sent Timothy to Ephesus to do his work. Now he sent uh, uh, Titus to Crete to do his work. Because, as Jesus said, when a disciple is fully trained, he will be like his teacher. Right? Luke six forty. Jesus' disciples became disciple makers, didn't they? Paul's disciples became disciple makers. Peter's disciples became disciple makers. John's disciples became John's. And so uh, Paul was commissioning Timothy, was prompting and pushing Timothy, go and make disciple makers. Go and make disciple makers. Go make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. It's about multiplication. We're called to multiply. Uh, I was curious about how fast rabbits multiplied. Because <laughs> we all know that they're very good at it, don't we? <laughs> and so I looked this up. And did you know that rabbits can have... Uh, their gestation period is about 28 to 30 days. They can have a litter every month. 12 litters a year. And the average... Uh, litter has about six kittens. In other words, you start with two rabbits in your basement, <laughs> you could have 72 kittens every single year. Now, there are some breeds of rabbits that can have litters of 12 to 16 kittens at a time. <laughs> and so, if you, get, if you get the right kind of rabbits, starting with two... You could have 170 rabbits by the end of the year running around in your basement. Wouldn't that be good? That's how they multiply. 
A faithful disciple of Jesus Christ will multiply. Now, of course, we take longer than a month. <laughs> but a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ will be a disciple and then will make disciples and then will make disciple makers. And because our mission is to multiply your mission is to multiply. And so, uh, are you a disciple of Jesus? If you're a disciple of Jesus, I want you to set your sights on becoming a maker of disciple makers. And I know some of you are thinking, whoa, that's like way beyond me. Is it way beyond God? Here's how you start you start by praying. And asking God, who can I make disciple? Who can I who can I disciple? Who is it that you've brought into my life that I can disciple? Or will you bring someone into my life for me to teach, to follow Jesus, to train them to follow Jesus? And and as you do this, then pray and ask Him for more. Ask Him for more. If you're a parent. <laughs> If you're a mom or dad, you already have a mandate to disciple your kids. They are your number one priority. Disciple them. Teach them to follow Jesus. And then as they grow, teach them to train others to follow Jesus. We're called to multiply. Now... There are two things that can throw you off track. This is our mission, is to multiply. There are two things that can throw you off track. The pain in your heart and the pursuits of the world. And so Paul goes to, on to address this. Uh, he says in verse 3, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Did you know you are in a battle? You're in a war. And you're a soldier of Jesus Christ. I know you're Mennonites here and you're all pacifists, right? Maybe not all of you. <laughs> but pacifists or not, we're in a spiritual war. And we have, we have spiritual enemies who is out to destroy us. And, and we're in this battle. And we will experience hardship. And... What's our response? Paul is, is telling Timothy, endure this hardship. Embrace the pain, the unavoidable pain and suffering that comes into your life. It will come, right? Jesus promised us that it will come. And some of it is unavoidable. You can do nothing about this. Well, pain is not to be avoided at all costs. As much as we would like to go that route. As humans, we, no, no one likes pain. None of us enjoys hurting. But unavoidable pain is to be embraced. Why? Because when you are committed to avoiding pain at all costs, you will sin 
you will fail. You will disobey God. You will get off track. In fact, a couple chapters later, in 410, uh, Paul says, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. It happened back then, too. He's loved the world. And, you know, and we, we live in a world, we live in a culture that is becoming increasingly hostile to the gospel. Increasingly hostile to biblical Christianity. And if you want to live this out, you will have, have opposition. You will experience hardship. It will come. It will not be easy to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And we need to decide that I'm following Jesus above all else. That my priority in life is not to make life more comfortable for me, but simply to follow Jesus, to trust and obey him, no matter what it costs. And we, we haven't plumbed the depths of this. We, we have no idea the kind of costs that are involved. You need to talk to a, a, a Chinese Christian. You need to talk to an Afghan Christian or an Indonesian Christian. We have no idea what it costs to follow Jesus. Uh, one evangelist uh, who preached in Eastern Europe uh, before the Iron Curtain fell, uh, he noticed that as he led people to Jesus, uh, they, they would always end by prayers, their prayers by saying, no matter what it costs. I want to follow Jesus no matter what it costs. Lord, I, I, I give my life to you no matter what it costs. And, and he didn't teach them to do this. It just came out of their mouths. Why? Because they knew that there was a cost. When the government is against you, when they're out to destroy Christianity, there is a cost. To following Jesus. Uh, I realize our time is getting on here. Uh, verse 4. Uh, Paul actually goes on to uh, give three different illustrations here, but, but we'll just deal with the first one. He says in verse 4, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Watch your life, Timothy. Stay on track. Don't get sidetracked pursuing the things of the world. And, and commentary, commentators believe that one of the things that Paul has in mind here is probably greed. It's probably the pursuit of riches. We see this uh, in 1 Timothy 6, uh, some, uh, where Paul talks about some who are... Uh, seeking to get rich, uh, and he says, the love of money is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil. And, uh, and so, instead of pursuing the pleasures of the world, we focus on the one thing, pursuing the pleasure of God. How can I please God? His aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Follow Jesus. If you're a soldier, you're given one mission at a time. 
It could be to take that farmhouse and hold it at all costs. Occupy that bridge and control it. Hold this line and don't let anyone across this trench. Stop those bombers before they reach land. You're given one mission and one mission at a time. And you have to fulfill that mission at all costs. Don't let anything throw you off track. And I was, uh, our family took uh, a trip to Grand Beach uh, about a week or so ago. And, you know, I didn't, these days with GPSs, you just jump in the car and go, right? And, and so I, I started driving and, uh, and then, okay, so how do we get there? And, and I heard, okay, go north on Highway 12 and you go through Bozizer and turn at the 44 and, and then you turn at the 59 and, and I'm getting all these directions and, and then somebody's saying, oh, wait, uh, you're supposed to turn right for Bozizer. And no, Highway 12 goes this way. And, and the pure and simple directions to Grand Beach, in case you didn't know, is... Go north on Highway 12 and stay on the 12 until you get to Grand Beach. It's that simple. Follow Highway 12 and you will get to Grand Beach. If you're trying to go through Bozizer, you'll get off track. If you're you're trying to go down 44, 59, you may get off track. You follow the 12 all the way to Grand Beach. Follow Jesus all the way to the end. Hold on to the gospel. Make disciples. Follow Jesus. It's that simple. I think my time's up. (laughs) But we're called to one thing. And only one thing. Follow Jesus Christ. Where he goes, you go. Where he leads, we follow. Timothy was to preach the word by the Holy Spirit. We're to follow Jesus and make disciples. (laughs) Someone once said, Where he leads me, I will follow. And what he feeds me, I will swallow. Uh, So keep that in mind as you hear from Pastor Rob week after week. (laughs) As far as this is the word of God, I want to swallow it and digest it. And I want to live this out with all my heart. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you for your holy word. And for the story of, of Paul and Timothy and how they stay true to you and true to your gospel to the end. Lord, will you fill us with your Holy Spirit and empower us to love your word and to cling to your word and to speak your word and to live your word day after day, moment by moment. Until you return. By the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.